because of the gifting that God has given me to pursue lost people as aggressively as I ought to. I haven't been. I've spent way too much time in the office and working on all kinds of things. Now, I understand that there are seasons for a church where there is a time to to do a lot of office work. There is a time to to do a lot of, I mean, you guys, I want to just stop and thank all the volunteers that made all this stuff, this this paint happen and a lot of the construction and, and, you know, I've been helping here and there because I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm helping them rock it and we got stuff to clean up and I'm doing all this extra stuff and I know know that there's a season to help with all that stuff. I know there's a season to be in the office because there's a lot of administration to do. There's a lot of things that just have to get done and someone's got to do it. But my confession to you is I have not, and to myself, one of the things I've realized is I have not been hanging out with my non-Christian friends the way I ought to. And I'm bummed with myself about that. No, I don't want to hear anyone after say, no, 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 don't be so hard on yourself. No! No, no, no. Dude, I know the gifting that I have. And I know I need to talk to those people that don't know Jesus. I know the the, the way that God has, like, freed me and enabled me to do some of that stuff. I mean, in the early days of planting branches, I remember talking to a guy in a coffee shop. He had just come from a run, and I said, hey, man, dude, did you earn that coffee yet? And the next thing he knows, like, dude, I should get baptized at that church. You know, like, like we really, like, I, you need to know, like, like, not, I can't, I don't have the ability to change someone's heart, but, uh, but God has given me a relational ability, and, and I talk to strangers. Kids, don't talk to strangers. But you who are Christians that have the gift of evangelism, you should talk to all kinds of people. And I haven't been doing that as much as I ought to. Now this morning what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to have you wrestle with how much you should be doing that, or at least what part you have in that. Because I know this, that not everyone here is a gifted evangelist, but some of you are. I know not everyone here is gifted at hospitality, but some of you are. I know that not all of you are gifted at helps, but, but some of you are immensely. And we need every Christian to be using their gifts because it actually uh, impacts the evangelism that a church has. All right, so one of the first things I want to show you here this morning is this, that God, he sends, the meaning of sen- is Jesus sends his people. I want you to turn just for a moment to the Gospel of John, chapter 17, just so you can see this. I'm going to highlight this quickly. I'll highlight this briefly. We know that in the Gospel of John, that over and over again, it begins with uh, the Word taking on flesh, being sent by the Father, and, and over and over, the Father has sent the Son. The Father has sent the Son so that you would believe who sent Him, that you would believe that He is God. And then, It gets all the way to John chapter 17, and it's at the end of Jesus' life, and he prays this amazing prayer for the Christians that he's discipling and the Christians to come. And he points out to this amazing reality that these people are his sent people. So number one, every Christian is sent. Every disciple is of Jesus is sent by him. Listen to the scriptures in John chapter 17, starting in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but I ask for those who will believe in me through their word. Future Christians, future Christians, that they may all be one. There's the unity piece. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that, there's a reason for this, the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus has sent us. What he wants lost people to know is that it's to know Jesus. It is to know Jesus. The world is looking at this weird and particular, particularly strange group of people called Christians with a, um, a incredible amount of doubt and skepticism. But they are watching nonetheless. Now I want you to turn also to 1 Peter 2.9. God sends every Christian. God sends every Christian. Every disciple is sent by Jesus. Listen to chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to what Peter says. And I'm going to highlight um, something related to the mission or the sending. And I'm going to connect it to a very particular word, priesthood. Now, how are these linked together? I will show you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. What is that? Why, why, why is Peter talking to these New Testament states, saints about priesthood? What is it that priests do? Now, we just finished a whole series on Hebrews, and we know that priests make a way to God, um, keeping at bay the wrath of of God, and then the one who can actually end or satisfy, excuse me, satisfy the wrath of God comes, Jesus, the Lamb of God. So priests make a way to God. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a set-apart people, a people for his own possession, that you may, are you ready, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now he is drawing from an Old Testament text that I want you to turn to, and that is Exodus chapter 19. Peter is telling the, these New Testament saints that like the Old Testament saints, they are to be this royal priesthood that are making a way to God. What is going on here? The people of God have just been rescued out of the hands of the Pharaoh and, and Egypt. They were in, slave, in slavery to them, and God is calling them out to come and worship him. He has rescued them, and the imagery of, is of that, them being put on eagles' wings and brought, flown out into safety. In verse 4, 19.4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. Now, now God, like, I mean, he crushed them. He crushed their enemies right before their eyes. He bore, I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice 
and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Whoa. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. A kingdom of priests. Peter draws from this Old Testament text about being a kingdom of priests. Priests make way to God. And what he is telling them, that they, as the corporate people of God, have this way of showing the world the light of God. The people, in, in just being the people of God, loving each other the way they, are, they ought to love one another, they are to show a skeptical world this amazing God. This is an evangelistic aspect to what it means to be the people of God. This is why Christians need to be in Christian community. God does amazing things in Christian community. I know that not all of you are evangelists, but some of you are. But you might be really good at relationships, or you might have some relationships that you can bring into the community of faith that you have. And maybe, perhaps, you are terrified at the idea and the notion of sharing the gospel with these people, which you should, in relationship, but you might have a hard time. And, I, and we need to know that. Not everyone was gifted that. Not everyone was gifted at hospitality. Not everyone is gifted to help. Not everyone can make a great website. Some of us think we can, but we really can't. So, like, like, the reality is we're not gifted at everything. But you actually have a part in this priestly duty as the people of God. So you might bring your friend to church or to branch group or to meet other Christians. And someone who has those gifts can help with that. But every one of us can participate in that. Because it's a part of our priest, priestly kingdom reality. So er, God sends every single Christian Listen to Tim Chester. I want you to hear what he says. Tim Chester also was a part of writing a book called Told the Church. I'm going to read that. But there's an article that he writes, and I think this is exceptionally helpful. He says, Peter is talking about our corporate identity as God's priestly people, whose life together commends the goodness of his kingdom. Similarly, God's people are to be a holy nation, just as God himself is holy. They are to reflect and display the character of God in their lifestyle. In fact, Peter goes on to do that, which I will not do today. That can happen in another sermon. God is carving out one place on earth where the goodness and freedom of his kingdom can be seen. In other words, the community of God's people is to be a missional community. The law is a missional, is, is missional in intent. Do you know that? Now, the people of God failed at it. To be a light to the nations, and they were not. The law is, um, is missional in intent, defining the distinctive community life that will draw the nations to God. Every Christian is sent by God. Every one of us. We can't think of mission as just as something where we pay someone else to go do. You actually have a role in the home that you live in, in the city that you live in, 
and play in and live, work in, and in the job that you work in, and among the relationships that you are in. I want you to hear, uh, once again, this idea of being that coming out. This is just so powerful. This is in Total Church. It's a radical reshaping around the gospel and community. And this is what it says. It'll be a little lengthy, but it's so good. You should read this. Jesus asserted the, the centrality of the gospel community in the evangelistic uh, task during his final night on earth. In John 13, he predicts his betrayal. For Jesus, it means the hour of his glorification. Uh, for the disciples, it means new responsibilities in their primary responsibility to love one another. At this crucial moment in the purposes of God, Jesus is concerned for mutual love of these, pupil, these people. Pupil. People. Pupils. Listen, people. This must mean that love is crucial. Jesus' exhortation is not vague. He turns their attention once more to his own example. They, in, in, uh, uh, in uh, 14 through 17, they are to love in the same way and to the same extent that he has loved them. And the gauge of that love will prove to be the cross. What is the purpose of mutual self-giving love? Don Carson says the new commandment is not only the obligation of new community to respond to, the, to God who has loved them and set them free by the offering of his son, Neither is it merely their response to his gracious choice of them uh, as his people. It is a privilege which, when rightly lived out, proclaims the true God before a watching world. That is why Jesus ends his injunction with words, All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Before they are preachers, leaders, or church planners, the disciples are to be lovers. This is the test of whether or not they have known Jesus. It remains the case today. This cross love is the primary dynamic test of whether or not we have understood the gospel word and experienced its power. Not our doctrinal orthodoxy, as important as that is. Not our ingenious strategizing, as fascinating as that is. Not our commitment to preaching, as vital as that is. Not our, in, uh, our innovative approach to planting, as radical as that may be. It is our cross love for each other that proclaims the truth of the gospel to a watching and skeptical world. And I want you to know today that every one of us who is a Christian has been sent out by God. God sends every Christian. God sends every disciple. Number two, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Number two. God sends right away. Je Jesus sends his disciples on mission right away. I want to make a case for this very quickly. I'm going to show you one text. I think it's all over the place, but I'm going to show you one example in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. God sends right away. And you may have wondered whether or not that is your role. Now, there are plenty of you here that you know that this is, this is a part of your life. Every Christian here, you need to know that this missional posture just needs to be a part of everyday life with you. This week, if you're in a branch group, there's going to be some hard questions to ask. 
And I don't want them to come across as legalistic, or I don't want it to crush you, and you just say, gosh, I just don't even have these gifts. I can't do this. I, I want you to think together and to pray together and to care for each other in this regard and, and ask yourselves how we can live this out. Because God does amazing things in community. So God sends right away. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus has been displaying his power and authority over all things. And he comes into an area, into a city where there is a man who is um, terrorized by demonic oppression. He is possessed by demons. Demons, plural. If you're reading the text, what you will see is he's not possessed by one, but by a legion. A lot. He comes running out of the tombs. He's naked. Filthy. Probably cut up. You see, because he's been gashing into himself and he lives among the dead. Society cannot accept him. They're terrified of him. As you read the narrative, you see that uh, he has these shackles that have been broken. They can no longer uh, bind this guy, he's uncontrollable. And he's running toward Jesus. It's kind of dark at this point, too. Get this idea as you're reading, like when Jesus steps off the boat, it's actually kind of dark. It's kind of, it's kind of an eerie, scary, terrifying, real movie that's scary. And he comes running up to Jesus, and this conversation begins to have between Jesus and this demon-possessed man. And the demon-possessed man is without mercy at this point. He is a train wreck. His life is broken, and we think he knows it. Because society has cast him off, and everyone around knows it. He's disgusting and gross, and they don't want him. But he comes running up to Jesus. And him and Jesus are having this conversation. And Jesus begins to display his authority over him. He tells him the demons to come out of the man. And the demons are terrified of Jesus. They're frightened of Jesus because they know that they will be cast into the hell fire for eternity. And they're fearful of Jesus. And they're begging him um, if they could go, you, you know, like, like, don't kick us out of the region. And he sends them out into these, uh, these pigs that are close by. And they just, this, this herd of pigs goes raging down this hill. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a herd of animals go running into the water. Uh, like, I haven't, because I'm not a farmer, and I don't live anywhere where that happens. But a bunch of animals raging down this water fall, uh, not, well, this, this cliff and perishing. The city's ticked off, to say the least, because uh, guess what? Um, the pigs are kind of like their income. So the entire economy is flipped upside down when Jesus shows up. Kind of cool. And this guy's life is turned upside down, and uh, he is finally sitting there in his right mind, and the people see this, and they're fearful, and he's clothed. You can imagine the silence. The guy that was, was naked and wretched and probably stunk real bad, and everyone's terrified of him. And no one wants to talk to him. No one wants to share the gospel with this guy. But Jesus shows up. 
No one wants to be a light to the nations to this guy. And he says to Jesus, like, he, he's saying, I, I, can I come with you? And Jesus does not let him come with him. It sounds almost cruel. Like, the guy gets rescued, and Jesus doesn't let him come with him. But what happens after that is fascinating. Jesus sends him on mission right away. Actually, no, I back up. I need to back up. He sent him to seminary first for three years. Uh, he told him to take a class with the local rabbis. Uh, and after he completes it after a year, and he's gone through the evangelism class and the discipleship class and the repentance class and the prayer class. Once he's done all that, I think he, then he's got to come back and be examined uh, for a few more years. Uh, oh, wait, back up. You need to go back and get your bachelor's degree in the first century and then come back and then you're ready to go on mission. I don't want you to think that I'm not for training. I am so for training. I mean, do, doctrinal truth is at stake. We don't want you making a heretical uh, church out there. The purity of the church matters. But this guy is sent on mission right away. Listen to what the text says in verse 19. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. A simple truth. God has done a lot for me. God had mercy on me. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, a big city, New York, L.A., Fullerton. And he went to the, he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done to him and listened to what the response is. And everyone, the text says, marveled. Um, he sent him right away. Jesus sends every Christian disciple on mission with him. The task is clear. Tell people about the mercy of Jesus. Now you might be terrified or you might not think you have the right words and perhaps you don't. M maybe you struggle with that, okay? But if you're hanging out in Christian community enough where, by the way, you can experience the mercy of God and care and discipleship and, and, and just like coaching, like, whoa, 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 like, don't do that. Like, that's actually sin. Look, look, look at the Bible. The Bible says this, dear brother and sister, we love you so much. Like, the Bible says this. Like, the word will correct you. And also, you can be on mission together, a missional community of God's people, a royal priesthood of God's people together, making a way to God through Christ Jesus. You guys, when you meet in your groups this week, there's going to be some questions, and some of them are kind of hard. This is super simple. This message is meant to be super simple, that cr God sends every Christian, and he sends every Christian right away. And that's you, brothers and sisters. There is a lot of work to do in this city. We've been doing things to just prepare, you know, just make it tidy, be hospitable. Uh, by, we want to we wanna send you out. By the way, uh, one of the things that we've been doing at Branches is I've been doing a, a leadership development uh, class because, you know, I need people to go through a class before the, re no, that's not, that's not all at all. But, dude, uh, getting together with these men and talking about these things are just so good. 
And one of the things that we were uh, going to do is we were, I was going to take these 13 guys and th they bring their wives and their kids and just, we were going to get together for the uh, Super Bowl uh, thing. We were going to do that together. And uh, when we were talking as elders, we realized uh, the guys had just pointed out, hey, look, dude, don't you, doesn't it feel like there's a missional opportunity like with Super Bowl? And I'm like, yeah, 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 proclaim Jesus. And they're like, they're like no, dude, seriously, they're like, like there is. And so here's what we, we realized we could do. We want to tell all of you that you are more than welcome to meet up where we were going to meet as leadership development. Uh, the Bostics are going to open their home, and we, you can hang out if you don't have a place to go. However, there are some of you that can and should hang out with a bunch of non-Christians. You might invite people that don't know Jesus because you love football so much, you know what I mean, or you hate, I don't know, you, maybe you hate it and you, you, you pay for the whatever, I don't even know how to do it, honestly, because I don't watch football, but you pay for the thing and you get it to show up at your TV somehow, magically, and then, um, and you gather other people at your place, uh, non-Christian friends, and hang out, or you get the invite to the Super Bowl party, and, and you say yes, and you go. Because you hanging out in relationship with non-Christians is the roadmap to um, gospel interaction and eventually sharing the good news of the gospel with them. Like you have connections with people that we don't. You have sovereign friendships that God has ordained and he's like, what are you going to do with it? Like you came out of the world. You know this, right? We were but once the people that did not know mercy and now we are people that know mercy sent on mission by God Hang out with these people. So at the Bostick's house, we're, we're inviting you to come. If you don't have a place for Super Bowl Sunday and you're not going to host it uh, or whatever, like, dude, we're, we're, we're going to invade their house, eat their food. <laughs> they're actually asking. They're asking that you would actually bring just one thing. That'd be cool because there'll be food there and stuff. And we'll, we'll tell you again next week. We'll, make, we'll put it on paper. We'll send the message, blah, blah, blah. We'll tell you. We'll communicate it. But if you are the person that has the opportunity to open up your home or go and hang out with people that don't know Jesus, then you should do it. You, you should do it. Because it's a great missional opportunity for you. And there's more than that. There are so many other ways that you can do it. There are so many practical ways. And you'll talk about that in your groups. But know this, people of God, you have been sent by Jesus. God sends every Christian on mission, and he does it right away. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we know that you have shown mercy to us when we did not deserve mercy. And I pray for your church, your people, Father, that we would be that royal priesthood that you want us to be, a holy people set apart by you in radical community together, proclaiming the good news of the gospel to a dying and skeptical world, Father. Lord, we want to see you work. We know we cannot change hearts, Lord, but you can, Father. You do for your glory. We thank you for our salvation, and we pray. We just want to see you glorified. We want to see people get saved because they're saved by you. They're put on eagles' wings and rescued by you, Father. I pray for the church that we would be the kind of church that loves you, that loves your word, and is obedient in every way, including the mission part, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus.
Amen. Um, every week we come to the Lord's table. It's a great and beautiful opportunity to remember, because see, Jesus has told us to remember this, to remember the cross, the bloody, horrific cross of Christ. We were once a people without mercy, but now we are a people with mercy. We are sent ones because Jesus came and died on that cross. His body, his blood for you. So brothers and sisters, when you're ready, come and receive and remember. Come and remember. If you are not a Christian, 